The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. This morning, I really feel like God is, he's got something for us this morning. And uh, listen, as we set this up, um, Jesus is everything. Just Jesus is, is everything. Scripture says that he is the author or founder and perfecter of our faith. What that means is that without Jesus, we have nothing, but because of Jesus, we have everything. And that it, Jesus is absolutely everything. We talked about this already this morning, but the Son of God who, who came for us, the Son of God who lived his life here on earth, gave his life, crucified, rose from the dead, our faith rests on this, rests on him, with him, he is, he is everything. And so over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to try to do together, collectively as a church, is to focus our eyes to him. And uh, we've said this before, but it, it, coming into Easter, it's really easy for days to go by, weeks to go by, kids to be crazy, life to be crazy, job to be crazy, you get sick, and there's just so many things that can happen, and then all of a sudden, we can wake up on, on Easter morning and what happened? It's Easter, right? And it can just fly by. And so what we want to do in the heart behind the next couple weeks is to do everything we can to begin to prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. And what that means is we are just going to look at Jesus each and every week. Hopefully that's not something new or novel that we do here at Stone Oak, um, but what that means is we are going to prepare our hearts for Resurrection um, Sunday. And so with that, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, open with me, scroll with me there. Um, listen, this morning we're going to focus on three words, and the three words are this, Jesus is better. Those are our three words. We're going to look at the ways in this text that we see Jesus is better. That the one who came is better than the human alternatives who at their very best just pointed to and foreshadowed him. But that Jesus is better. Um, listen, as we get into this, I, I want us to think about something to kind of prepare, the, prepare our time. Um, if we were to pick this up, and, and especially... In the Old Testament, if we were to look through the Old Testament, we would see it's a diverse book. There's poetry in it. There's history in it. There's stories. There's narrative. There's prophetic sermons in it. I mean, it's very diverse. Um, but in it, in all of it, the Old Testament points us to our God, Yahweh, points us to him. And, and throughout all of it, the Old Testament shows us this great plan of redemption, that is moving forward through history. And the Old Testament just points to redemption and restoration in and through Christ who, who loves us. And, and so we see this building up through the, through the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, I want to pull, pull something out as we get to Hebrews because I think it will help us. Um, God gave his people 
three types of people. Three gifts to his people that God historically has given his people. Um, first of all, we're going to look at the first one, by the grace of God alone. Like We can sometimes take this for granted, I think, but by the grace of God, God chose to speak to his people. He didn't have to do this. He did not have to reveal himself to his people, but by his grace, he did, and he gave his people the prophets. So if you look in the Old Testament, you see one of the, the kinds of people that God gifts his church or his people with are the prophets. And, and they're his chosen mouthpieces to deliver his word to his people. So we see, you know, throughout the Old Testament, you know, Moses, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Joel, Micah, you can go on and on. All of these were the prophets given to the people to speak God's message to them. And so the definition I have up here is the, the chosen, the people chosen by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God. That's the first type of person that God gives his people. It's not the only one, though. We move to another kind of person, and that is that by the grace of God, again, he doesn't have to do this, he chooses to forgive his people of sin. And he chooses to show his sinful people. How many know that God did not cho choose us or choose anyone because of how great we are? You read the Old Testament, we realize, not that, right? We realize that God is gracious and, and he forgives and he shows up his people a way to walk in that. And, and as he does that, he not only gives his people the prophets, but church, he calls the priests he calls the priests, the ones who would intercede on behalf of the sins of the people, who would handle the sacrifices, lead the people in worship, and would go to God on behalf of the messy, sinful people. He gives his people the priests. In the beginning, uh, right at the beginning, we see whereas Moses was the one who, who went up on the holy hill and spoke to the people, right? Uh, the word of God, the mouthpiece of the people. We also see that right along with Moses, Aaron who God chose and called the priest to intercede on behalf of the sinful people. Prophets were the ones who were chosen to deliver the word of God to the people of God. Well, the priests were the ones chosen by God to intercede on behalf of a sinful people before our holy and perfect and righteous God. Again, I want to say this again. He did not have to do this. He did not have to do this, but by his grace he did. Um, he provided a way for them to walk with him, for him to be their God, and for them to be his people. He provided a way. But it wasn't just the prophets, and it was not just the priests. There was a third type that God gives his people. As we read this, we see that God also gives them the kings. The kings. Um, the people cried out, God, we want a king. They kind of whined to him about this in the Old Testament. And God graciously gives them a king. It was nothing like they were expecting, let me tell you. But we read. We read Saul's anointed king, David, Solomon. But honestly, it's a long line of kings that were horrible. That's my words. Terrible. They lead the people to do all kinds of crazy things. They lead them away from what God had intended. Um, the majority of these 
these kings. Just went against the prophets, went against the priests, and it was, it was all honesty pretty disappointing. But So what we read is that God gives his people prophets, the people chosen by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God, that he gives his people priests, the ones chosen by God, to intercede on behalf of the sins of the people before our holy and perfect righteous God, and then the kings, the ones chosen by God to rule and to lead the people of God in the ways of God and in the favor of God. These are gifts, prophets, priests, kings, gifts. Church, as we look to Jesus this morning, and as we look at this text and as we think of prophets and priests and kings, we are going to see the truth of those three words that I gave at the beginning, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So as we get into this, let me read our text. We're only going to look at the first four verses. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, verse 2, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ, the one who is better. This morning, will you help us to see Jesus, to respond to the gospel together? And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so in light of the Old Testament, what we've already walked through this morning, let's look at what our text tells us about Jesus. We read in the first two verses, long ago, at many times, many ways, he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So long ago, at many times, many ways, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is pointing us back to the Old Testament and the Old Testament stories. And most specifically, he's pointing us back to the prophets, the prophets. Remember, prophets were chosen by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God. And over the centuries, over generations, throughout human history, God spoke to his people by these prophets, by these, by these men, these prophets that he would speak through. But here in our text, there is a but. Verse 2, but in these last days, our text says he has spoken to us by his son. Church, um, in the last days, Hebrews says, God speaks through his son through Jesus. And so the way you can think about this is in the Old Testament, the people were given the word of God with a lowercase w. And our text now contrasts that with today, where the people of God are given the word of God with an uppercase w. I don't know why I did this, because they're the same, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm squirrel. In the Old Testament, the people of God were given the prophets to deliver the word of God. Today, we are given the word of God, capital W, meaning the Son of God. 
And I want to just, this is a, since I already distracted us with my W's, there is a side little tangent I want to take very quickly. Um, this is why, church, we are not looking to add to this. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered, like, like should we be, why is it these books only? And, and why is it, uh, why aren't we looking for any, like, modern-day Jeremiah's? To add to this, will that ever happen? If you've ever wondered that, um, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose, and in these last days, he became the final prophet. He speaks through the Son. This is one of those texts that remind us that Jesus is the better prophet, the final word. In the Old Testament, we're given the word through the prophets. Today, given the word through the Son. And, and, and today, it reminds me of John 1. You don't need to turn there, but if you remember John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning um, with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. A lot, of, a lot of words there, but follow with me. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then, and then listen to verse 14. This is the word, capital W, became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Remember that. We're coming back to that. We have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Take this in. We're coming back to this one. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. So take this in. Prophets were the ones, remember, chosen by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God. In church, Jesus is the better prophet. Jesus is the word of God. Dwelling with the people of God. Jesus is the better prophet. And I mean, um, I want you to contrast something with me. Um, again, you don't have to be turning everywhere if you want to. You know, you can, by all means. Um, but I, I just want you to think about something. Um, contrast this with me. Exodus 33. We have this text about Moses, who was God's chosen mouthpiece to his people, and uh, God would speak to Moses, and then Moses would speak to the people. And uh, I want to contrast something from Exodus to what we just read. In Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses pleads with God. He says, please, God, show me your glory. And uh, he asks, like, would you let me see your face? That's what Moses is asking God. And God says... <laughs> I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he says, verse 20, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. I want you to live, Moses. You can't see me and live. So the Lord says, there's a place by me where you shall stand on a rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by, and then I will take away my hand, and you're going to see my back. 
but my face shall not be seen. The church, hearing this, Moses, God's chosen prophet, cannot take in the full glory of God, cannot do it, and live. Cannot do it. So he has to look at his back, not his face, his back. Oh, church, contrast this with me. We just read this. Contrast with me again. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what happened? We have seen his glory. What an amazing contrast. We have seen his glory from the fullness of from all of his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. No one, verse 18, 18 says, no one's ever seen God. <laughs> the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus, church, is the better prophet, the word capital W of God. The word became flesh, revelation to, of God to us. When we see him, we see God. When we see him, we see God. This is why in our text today, in verse 3, says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. When we see him, we see God. He is the full-blown glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He is God, the Son of God, the Word of God, the better prophet, the better Moses. This is why in, in Hebrews 3, says Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. That's what Hebrews 3.3 3 says. What does that mean? Jesus is better. Jesus is the better prophet. And I got to ask the question, why does it matter? Why does any of this matter? I mean, it's a cool contrast, but why does it matter? Um, it matters, church, because without the word of God, without God speaking, we have nothing. And because... This speaks to one of the deepest longings of our human heart. One of the deepest longings of our heart is to hear God, to touch him, to to experience, however you phrase this, the divine, to, to know him, to see him. We long for something bigger than ourselves. We long for this. We search for it in different ways, yes, but this is a longing of our heart, and we search after it. You've probably sensed this. I hope you have sensed this in yourself, this longing for truth, for something of transcendent value, answers to all of the deep questions that are bigger than you, longing for that. We search for answers in so many places. We search in them for we search for them in books and in gurus and teachers and we search for it in people. In other words, you know what we're searching for? We're searching for the prophets who would tell us, who would help us answer the things that we can't figure out, the things that we can't understand. If only someone could just help me. If a prophet, where are you? We long for prophets because we long for answers to the deep things. We long for someone to speak to us on behalf of something bigger. We long for the prophets. And it is right in that longing that I get the great privilege of saying the better prophet is here. 
that Jesus is the better prophet, the fullness of God's word, the way, the truth, and the life, and that in him, all of those deep longings, deep questions, it's not that you're going to know everything. You're just going to know him who knows everything. That is, he's the better prophet, the fullness of God's glory. We crave to hear the voice of God, to hear from God and praise God. By the grace of God, he's chosen to speak to us. And ultimately and finally, that word, that revelation is spoken through Jesus. In him, we have the word of God and the living word of God. In him, we have When Jesus stepped into creation, I need you to hear me. He stepped into creation to speak to creation. He's the better prophet. And not only that, I I do have one more thing before we move. Um, Look with me at verse 3 again. Um, He says the radiance. uh, Let me find my place. Um, Yes, after he talks about the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, upholding the universe. What does it say? It says, after making purifications for sins, he sat down. I want to hone in on something. After. After making purifications for sin. Listen, church. That's priest language. That, church, is priest language. In the Old Testament, it was the priests who made sacrifices for purification of the sins of the people. That's priests. That's priest's work. Um, All the way back, beginning in Leviticus 9, with Moses and Aaron. Again, don't have to go here. I'm going to have you going all over the place. You can make notes of this. But um, in in Leviticus 9, God sets the stage for this. And and Moses calls Aaron and says, prepare the bull for the sin offering, the ram without a blemish. Offer them before the Lord. Say to the people, bring your offerings. Call the lamb, he says in verse 3, without blemish. To sacrifice before the Lord in verse 4. And why do all that? Because he says, for today the Lord will appear to you. And then as the people come near, verse 7 of Leviticus 9 says, Moses says to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering. Offer your burnt offering. Make atonement for yourself and for the people, Aaron. And bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. Church, that's the work of a priest. This was setting up that role, the, the, the priestly duties for this for the first time. And what was the work? It was to make purification for sins. And, and in this church, we see this so beautifully in our text that Jesus is the better priest. We, we read in, in a little bit later in Hebrews that since then we have a great high priest who has um, passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us then hold fast to our confession. Jesus being called the great high priest, the greatest high priest. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Remember this? But, But one who in every respect, in every respect has been tempted as we are and then he said, yet without sin. And then because, just contrast that. Like I just read that Moses says, hey, Aaron, I need you to go grab the bull. I need you to go grab the ram. Make offering for who? For yourself and for the people. And here, not Jesus. 
Jesus is the perfect priest, the priest with no sin, yet with no sin, the, the one without sin. And so because of that, because of Jesus, the better priest, we, we read in Hebrews 4.16, let us then draw near to the, to the, with confidence to the throne of grace, that we will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That's priest language. It continues the very next verse. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of man in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He, that is the earthly priest, can deal gently in, with the ignorant, ouch, and wayward. They can be gracious because they themselves are sinners, is what, what, what is being said. Because he is himself beset with weakness. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when he is called by God, just as Aaron was, Hebrews says. So this is who the priests were. It's what, who they were and what they did. Aaron could be sympathetic to the ignorant and wayward because he was ignorant and wayward. It's the argument here that, that Hebrews is, is putting out for us. He can sympathize with sinners because he was one. And so he offered sacrifice for his own sin as he offered it for the sins of the people. But Jesus? Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, the one without sin who makes purification for you. He's able to sympathize with you because he was tempted in every way you were, yet with no sin. That is who Jesus is, the better high priest. And to sum all of it up, he says in, in, in Hebrews 8, 1, I told you, I'm jumping today. Just follow with me. In Hebrews 8, 1, he says, the point in what we are saying is this. It's a great summary statement. He says, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Jesus is better. He is the better prophet. He is the better priest. And listen, because he is the better priest, because we have a great high priest like this, I, I need to tell you, there is no sin that can separate you from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he is the better high priest, there is no sin that is too great. There is no sin that is too much. I can say with confidence, because of this, that you have not outsinned the work of your great high priest. This is good news. This is good news for me. There is forgiveness of sin in Jesus. And with that, not only are we forgiven, do we receive forgiveness through him, but as Hebrews says, he is sympathetic to us as we are ignorant and wayward. He is sympathetic with us. He is compassionate with us as we struggle so that we can be confident that we will receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. That is our great high priest. We could say, say so much more about this. In fact, Spoiler, uh, we're going to go into a little bit more detail next week on this, but um, there's one more thing before I move on here. 
Um, and I just don't think we can afford to miss this. If you, if you remember in our text, it says, after making purifications for our sin, he sat down. After. That means after. After is a word that tells me the work is done. The work is done, and after it was done, he sits down. After making purification, that means it is done, it is finished. When he said it was finished, he meant it. He makes purification, and after, he sits down. So Jesus dies on the cross, takes our sin and shame on his shoulder, takes all of it, breathes his last, and as he says, it is finished, church. It was. The work was done. His priestly sacrifice was was done. Old Testament priests, they would offer sacrifices after sacrifices. They would offer them today and then tomorrow because people just kept on sinning. It's not like that with our Savior. Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all for his people. Once and for all. Do not let the enemy bring up your past in your mind. Don't let the sin of yesterday or even today be brought up in your mind. And, and don't let the enemy lead you to believe that you're no longer a child of God because of it. If sin is brought up in your mind right now, it's your loving father saying, bring it. Repent. Jesus is the better high priest. Repent. For those of you who, are, who have placed your faith in Jesus, I can say with confidence that there is therefore now no condemnation. Why is that? Because Jesus is the better, the better priest and the work is done. And so if we read here, after it's finished, after he's done, what does he do? Well, he, he sat down, our text says, at the right hand of the majesty on high, in verse 4, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Listen, um, church, that right there, that is king language. That's kingly language. Um, this brings us, church, from the prophet to the priest and now from the priest to the king. See, after he does his work, we read in our text that he sits down. I love that. He sits down. And he doesn't just sit down on a random chair, the couch next to him. This language here is, 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 is kingly language here. After Jesus finishes his work, where does he sit? He sits at the right hand. That is a position of power and authority. At the right hand of what? Of majesty. That is kingly power and authority. Majesty of what? On high. That is superior authority and power. That's throne language, church. As we look at, at this, as we take, if you were to look through the Old Testament, I referenced this before, but you would see kings coming and going. Coming and going, generation after generation. And, and the kings were at their best imperfect. At their very best. And completely incompetent, boneheaded heathens at their worst. That's who the kings were. Even King David, who was one of our best, a man after God's own heart, most faithful to the Lord and to the throne. Listen, David was but a foreshadow of the one who was coming. 
That's, all, that's what David was. He was a foreshadowing of the one who was coming, who was not going to just reign for a time period, but would reign forever. In fact, in fact, um, I know we're coming into Easter and not Christmas. I get that. Uh, but if you remember that classic Christmas text where the angel appears to Mary, um, you read it in, in Luke 1.30. The angel comes to her and says, Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And then what does the angel say? It says, And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will know no end. The angel says, Mary, don't fear because your son, the one in your womb, is the better king. He's the better king, the son of God, the son of David, the true, eternal, never-ending king. Listen, we should never forget this or lose sight of this. Yes, Jesus is our savior. Yes, Jesus is gracious and he is forgiving. Yes, he is the word of God, the better prophet to us. Yes, he is our great high priest, Emmanuel. But church, we should never, ever, ever forget Jesus is king. The better king. The one who is reigning, the one in charge and in power. And I would argue that this one is the easiest one for us today to see why this matters so much. What I mean by this is, is I think often we think we know better. We think we know better for our lives and our families, sometimes even in our churches. We think we know better for our communities. In fact, we have seen so many people who think they know better, who hold positions of power. If we look around today, we are given a painful reminder in our world today of the impact of bad actors in positions of power and the havoc that it wreaks. Under the authority, just call it out, of, of Putin in Russia, our world has been turned upside down. We see destruction, we see loss of property and pain and poverty, we see a world on edge and a loss of peace and a loss of stability. We even see crazy high gas prices. For, uh, this is insane. We see the world being turned upside down because of bad leadership. To use the language of bad king. We see what evil and bad leadership looks like. And I have to tell you, I get to tell you that Jesus is not like that. I get to tell you that under Jesus, our king, we flourish. Human life flourishes. Um, under his kingdom, there is peace, shalom. He is the better king. There's this old saying um, from Lord Acton. You, you probably know what I'm about to say. Power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts Absolutely. You know, that, you know that saying? That quote is absolutely true for all fallen and sinful humans, but it is not true for our king, Jesus. He is the only one for whom that is not a true statement. The only one that this quote 
just can't apply because he is absolutely the better king. Absolutely the better king. And under his rule and his reign, we flourish because he is better. And here's what um, we know and what we believe as, as, as Christians. We believe that Jesus now reigns as king. We believe that. We believe he is sovereign over all things. Nothing catches him off guard. No king is over him. We believe that today. We believe he reigns in our hearts over his church, over creation. We believe that. But we also believe that one day his kingdom, the word that theologians have used for centuries, will be consummated, which means that it will be made perfect, complete, and finalized. We believe this and we hold to the truth that the kingdom of God will come down and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And that one day, as scripture says, that there will be no more pain, there will be no more sickness, no war, no sin, no evil kings. One day all of that will be done, and everything will be as it should be. Take a breath, shalom. Like, can you imagine that? That is our hope, because Jesus is a better king than any earthly king, even the good ones that we see in front of us today. Jesus is the better king. And today, by the way, we're ambassadors to that kingdom. We tell people that one day when this kingdom is today and it's forever, as the angel said to Mary, of his kingdom there will be no end. We're ambassadors of that kingdom. Let's just take this in. Let's take this in. Um, As we've said... The prophets were the ones chosen by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God. Church, Jesus is better. Jesus is the better prophet, the word of God, the eternal word, the Emmanuel, God with us, the better, the better prophet. Jesus is better. We know the priests, they were the ones, they were the ones chosen by God to intercede on behalf of God, or the sins of the people uh, before our holy and perfect and righteous God. And as we have seen, Jesus is the better priest, the better high priest, the one who knew no sin, yet who made purification for all your sins. Jesus is the better high priest, and through his work, he is sympathetic and caring for you. He is the better high priest. And lastly, we see the kings. The kings were the ones chosen by God to rule and lead the people of God and the ways of God and the favor of God. Church, Jesus is the better king. The ultimate king. He rules in power and love and truth and leads us in the way of peace and flourishing and in his favor. He is the better king. There's a quote by uh, Lee Thomas. uh, Sums it up like, like this. There we go. The son is a prophet through whom God spoke his final word to human beings. The son is a priest who has removed the blot of sin from our ledger. And he is a king exalted by God to a supreme place of honor. Here's the way I'm thinking about this today. Um, I am so grateful for this. And I am grateful um, for the story and the life of Moses. I am grateful for the story and the life of Aaron. I am grateful for the story and the life of King David. I am grateful for this. But they ultimately point to and show me 
Jesus who is coming. The better Moses, the better Aaron, the better David. They're foreshadowing and looking ahead. Our prophet, priest, and king. So I want to close with this. Here's the question for this this morning. What do we do with this? What do we what do we do with this all this morning? Um, I remember, I, I, actually, I cannot remember who said this. I would give credit, but I, for the life of me, cannot, it's not original to me, but I don't know if it was a book, a professor, a pastor. It sounds a little bit like a Spurgeon quote. Maybe it was him. Um, but he, he, talking about uh, preaching, this has stuck with me for years. Whoever said it said, all sermons should call us to something. Should call us to something. Every sermon should call us to something, some action, some response. But here's, here's the, the, the word that he, he gave after. He said, but as a preacher, never feel like the sermon is inadequate if the only action, the only call to action from the text is simply look at and behold Jesus. That sermon's not inadequate. Such a powerful reminder to any preacher, but church this morning, our call, our action step is just that. It is look up, behold Jesus, the better prophet, the better priest, and the better king. Jesus is better. Jesus is with us, present with us, calling us, calling you to know him, to trust him, and to follow him. And, and here's... here's Here's the call for us this morning. As our better prophet, look to Jesus. That we would know him and that we would know his word. As the better priest, church, look to Jesus. That we would trust him and that we would trust his work. And as our better king, church, look to Jesus, that we would follow him and follow his rule. 